I'm Jane Hilsden, marketing consultant and founder of the How to Do Marketing Academy, as well as small business marketing agency, Dragonfly Marketing. Welcome to this episode of the How to Do Marketing Show, a no-nonsense podcast about marketing for small business. It's my mission to put marketing on the agenda for every regionally-based small business in Australia. Why? Because I know that when marketing is done properly, it can help your business grow. The How To Do Marketing Show is a podcast just for you and your small business. Bursting with marketing insight and information, this show will be a fabulous resource to help you know all there is to know about the topic of marketing for small business. I'm um, coming to you with this episode at a time where we're all... Um, trying to navigate in New South Wales the road to recovery um, from COVID and having been locked down. And in regional New South Wales, we've kind of only been half locked down. Um, So we've been locked down for six, um, probably, well, in Port Macquarie, we've been locked down for six weeks of the I don't know, four months or whatever that um, Sydney and some of the other um, regions of of New South Wales have been locked down. And what that means, um, in the road to recovery, the the, um, mandate or the policy, the law, whatever it is, um, basically states that when we get to 70%, um, only vaccinated people can access certain shops and cafes and pubs and all of that sort of stuff. So what that means is in regional New South Wales, where people have been accessing those services, vaxxed or non-vaxxed, all of a sudden the light switched and you can only access it if you're vaccinated, Um, which is only for a certain amount of time. It's only for a couple of weeks or, or, you know, six weeks or whatever until 90% of the state is vaccinated. But what that does is create a lot of angst and fear, um, confusion. You know, this is a topic that is highly contentious. People have very strong opinions about it. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of small businesses have had to kind of um, police this rule, which is not necessarily their rule. It's the government's rule. And and the government hasn't kind of... um, is not policing that necessarily. It's up to small businesses to do that. So I wrote a um, an article, a blog article, and, a, and it was a bit of a checklist of how you can communicate in times, and it was specifically around the COVID communications, but it's about how to approach communications when there's there's a lot of emotion involved as a so as a small business. How do you actually communicate a message um, when there's, you know, emotional thought process and and, and strong emotions which are going to override a lot of rational and logical thinking? And, you know, some people, regardless of what your opinion is, um, you know, some people are quite enraged by this and we all know what happens when people are cross and, and frustrated. Um, so I wrote this article off the back of that. Um, having said that, and the reason why I'm, I've done this podcast is because we've actually had to communicate a few difficult messages this year. So unfortunately, um, we actually had a client where one of their key members of staff really, really unfortunately um, died 
um, very suddenly. Um, it was under awful circumstances and we had to prepare the communications plan for how we communicated that to their key stakeholders. And gosh, it was, you know, one of those things where I haven't really had to do that in my career and you just kind of go back to the foundations, but it was such an awful time and and the emotion there was an anger and frustration and confusion. It was just immense sadness and shock. So how do you communicate with clarity um, and consistency because regardless of the emotions being felt at that time, you know, people need to be told what's going on. There needs to be some sort of certainty um, for all stakeholders involved. Um, and, you know, through all the emotion and, and all the empathy um, that you're being, you know, that you'll need to fit to, to feel and practice in this time, you know, you, you still need to get the facts out. So, you know, this, it could be the loss of a key person of staff. It could be, you know, a, a contentious issue like when, when COVID disrupts our business. Hopefully that's pretty much over. But it could also be like the business is, is suddenly being taken over or the business has suddenly gone into bankruptcy or the business is, you know, changing quite um, dramatically and you want to be able to communicate that well to your stakeholders because that's what they deserve to be, um, you know, communication and clarity of communication can just make such a difference in these sorts of situations because it just preempts questions, it preempts, um, it preempts, I guess, that that confusion and that, um, I guess, that feeling of, of loss and, and not knowing what to do um, and not knowing what to do next and who do I contact and who do I speak to and what does this mean for that? Um, if you can provide all those answers proactively in a professional and empathetic fashion, then you just save yourself and your staff the grief of having to have those individual conversations again and again and again and again because you haven't communicated it, you know, properly in the first place. So, you know, when emotions are running high about any topic, it's really important that you approach your communications with that, that clarity and that confidence because it really does help to reduce that confusion and just, you know, bring a, a sense of calm um, to, to any stakeholders that are involved. So there's four things that I recommend. And these are the four things that we've practised in both the scenarios this year where we've, we've prepared that communication plan for a client um, when they've lost that key person. And also um, with some of the, the clients that we have that are in the firing line for you know, the COVID situation. So hospitality, you know, where the general public are accessing their services all the time, you know, they're the ones that will cop the abuse for, for not, but, you know, letting people in or not even abuse sometimes. It's, it, it's just frustration or anger or whatever it is. Um, and that's not fair that, that they have to, to police that. So, um, you know, emotions will be high. Um, these are the four things that, that we've recommended. So number one is to approach your messaging with empathy and clarity. Again, regardless of your opinions on the matter and, and, it, and really as the business leader, 
you know, regardless of the emotions that you're feeling, you've kind of got to be the one that stands up and does the right thing and, and handles this and handles the communication here. And it may be done while you're, you know, crying or feeling frustration, but don't let that kind of come out in, well, you know, obviously empathy we're looking for, but but not highly emotive communication here. So this is, this is the perfect time to practice empathy. So if you're not a particularly empathetic person, maybe hand this over <laughs> to somebody who is on your team um, or, or outsource it because it really, really is important to, to practice that empathy now. Um, change and disruptions at the best of times really unsettles people. When there is a lot of sadness or shock or confusion, frustration, fear and anger, you know, emotions will override rational and logical thinking. You can't expect people to be thinking rationally and logically at this time. Um, so as the leader who's who's kind of taking charge here, that's that will be your job um, to, to do that. So this is a time to publish respectful messaging that clearly communicates the key points of your message. You may need to set some boundaries. Um, what are you asking your stakeholders to do? What, what is your business doing in this circumstance to kind of manage through this difficult time? Are there any key points of contacts that, that people can speak to if they need to? So, you know, is there a, a person within the business who um, can be that point of contact for people? Because some people just need to talk this through or ask questions, um, and it's good to provide a human in this circumstance, a human that can practice empathy and professionalism, hopefully. Um, but yeah, give someone a human if they if they need to talk this this through. So this messaging at this time is going to be far more effective if it's without bias and definitely without sarcasm and definitely without judgment. Keep it professional, keep it clear keep it empathetic to whatever the situation may be, regardless of your opinion, um, and just make it really clear, you know, what everybody's role is at, at this time. Because there are some logical and, and rational thinkers at this point who go into action mode, who, who go, right, okay, you know, what do we do now? Who do I need to speak to? What's, what? And they, they're looking for these answers. So if you can provide that, that clarity there, then, you know, it saves you having to have those, those conversations, um, but it also provides them with a little bit of assurance and it calms them down and confidence. Okay, someone's in control here. So that's number one, approaching your message with empathy and clarity. Number two is develop key messaging scripts for your staff. So Often, and this, this has been the case in both scenarios this year when um, with the client who's the, the person passed away as well as the COVID situation, your staff will bear the brunt of questions or feedback about this difficult situation. It may even be them that actually has to deliver the difficult conversation. So as a leader in your business, it's really important for you to ensure that you empower your team with the words and the tools that they need to handle these conversations. So in both circumstances, we've developed scripts that allow the team to find the right words in what could perhaps be 
awkward and sad and confronting scenarios. Now, when I say scripts, I don't mean scripts that they need to follow word by word. It's just key points, key points that they can use to shape their conversation. So it also might cover off information that those staff members kind of don't know themselves. And particularly if there's a lot of upset, like in the case of losing a key person in your business, you know, they're devastated. You're not thinking straight. You're not thinking properly. So to just have something that, that you can grab so you've got all the answers there. So if people are asking the questions, you've kind of got the answers and you're not flustered or you know, because these these conversations are laced with with the emotions. You want to kind of be able to make sure that all the the key points are are there. Um, you don't want to leave your team to face the music um, and and be left you know without answers to some of the questions and then feeling flustered because they they can't answer the questions and people are getting upset. So that just means that it's really about trying to anticipate what those questions might be. What are the objections going to be? What are the challenges that people are going to, 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 you know, to feel here? You know, who's going to look after my account now? You know, what happens to this piece of work? When am I allowed back into the, you know, why are your staff vaccinated? You know, all those kind of questions. You, you just want to have the, the answers um, ready. The biggest thing here, and this is particularly in regional Australia, our customers and our clients are also, you know, fellow parents of our kids at school. And we see them on the sidelines of the footy. We see them in Coles. They're our friends. So the conversations might be really hard to have you know, respectfully, particularly in the, in the COVID situation where there could be differences of opinion or whatever it could be. Um, but a lot of these conversations might be happening outside of the workplace. So just kind of think about that as well and, and try and anticipate what, what can we do to try and ease that load or make sure that, you know, if people are being approached in the street or if they're in the, you know, deli at Coles and someone comes up and starts asking them these questions, you know, let's just make sure that, that they're prepared for that because that's what happens in, in regional towns. So that's number two. So develop key messaging scripts for your staff and any other tools. You know, it might be things like getting some psychological help um, and, and um, support for your staff as well to make sure that they're okay. I mean, I'm sure there's a whole heap of human resources um, stuff that needs to be attended to, to there, but this is obviously just from the marketing point of view. Okay. Number three is to ensure your messaging is visible and accessible. Don't ever assume that your obvious is other people's obvious. Just because you are across a topic doesn't mean that everybody else is. You can never assume that everyone keeps up with the news. You can never assume that people have researched a topic to understand multiple perspectives. And you can also never assume that just because you're pu you've published one Facebook post communicating a certain message that all of your Facebook community have seen it. Honestly, if you didn't boost that post, I reckon about 1% of your Facebook community may have even glanced at it. And if they weren't ready to consume that info at that time, then they might have seen it but not really seen it. So to ensure that you have really communicated your message well, 
I recommend that you kind of plaster it wherever you can, wherever it's appropriate. Um, so he and, and this list is not exhaustive. So it, it, I mean, it's it's I'm just suggesting some some places here. You'll have to just gauge whether it's appropriate because some of the the places where I'm going to suggest here were completely appropriate for COVID, but there's no way you would have put that information there, for, you know, when you're communicating the death of a, a staff person. Um, so you know, you'll just have to 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 work out what's appropriate and what's not. But the first um, one off the list is the Google My Business page. So this is your business profile listing on Google. Um, there's a whole episode about this, I think, coming up next week that explains why it's really important to make sure that you have claimed your Google business listing and that you've updated it with all the right information. So your Google business listing is not your website. So this is not your website listing on Google. <laughs> Just to confuse you, this is your, your Google listing, which is actually... It's like a Facebook page on Facebook. This is like your Google page on Google. So if your customers are searching Google on their mobile phone to find information about how they can access your business during this time, like what's happening, are they open, what's their policies, um, you know, have they adjusted their opening hours or whatever. So if they're on their mobile kind of searching for your business, it's actually likely that they're going to land on your Google My Business profile before they get to your website. So for this reason, it might be appropriate to update any information, important information on your Google My Business page. So for example, exactly that, will your office be closing for a period? Do you need to remove some images of a certain person on, on your Google My Business page if they've left the business? Um, is your address changing? So are you actually, you know, moving offices or relocating offices, closing an office down in an area, and that might um, cause a bit of contention? Um, so if you are, like that, that address and that listing needs to be updated ASAP. Um, or is there a different key contact that you can include uh, on this touch point for people if they want to get in touch about a certain issue. So your Google business page is, is where you essentially just have, it's like a little synopsis of the key information about your website, but you can add posts and dynamic content that will be, that will be held there too. But it lists your hours of opening. It's got your website, your phone number, um, you can put, you can add photos and all of that sort of stuff. So use that piece of real estate effectively in this situation. Um, the second one, and this is in no list of priority or order, it's just the way I've written them down, um, is your website. So it's, assess whether it's appropriate to update your website with key information. If the message is really urgent and important, um, you may be best to add this to the homepage of your website because if you've ever looked at Google Analytics homepage, like for most businesses, this is the, the most frequented page and where most people will land on your site. Um, now, the thing to consider here is your website and your homepage, this is the place where we introduce people to your business and your brand. So it may not make sense to dramatically alter you know, your, your existing first impression of your website, we kind of recommend just doing things like just adding a, a pop-up message or even just adding like um, if you've got a rotating header image or something like that, just, just adding um, that messaging into that rotating header. 
um, or as a little pop-up message. And your website developer should be able to do that for you. Um, and what that means is it very much communicates that this is just a temporary message. You know, this is just a, um, yeah, this is just like a little pop-up. It's a bit, it's a bit urgent. It's like of the moment kind of thing, as opposed to this is entrenched within the business and it's part of our, you know, homepage and, and, and copy. And it just, yeah, as soon as that, that, that messaging is, is relevant to remove, then um, you can just take that down. Hey, if you are loving what you hear in this episode of the How To Do Marketing Show and you want to know how you can get some of this marketing happening in your own business, come and join me in my How To Do Marketing Academy Mastermind. You'll work directly with me and a bunch of other like-minded, motivated small business owners for 12 months. And in that time, I'll show you how to plan, implement and measure the marketing that is right for your business. The results that you can expect are that way more of the right type of people are going to come and get to know your business and your brand. You'll increase your leads, you'll increase your revenue, and best of all, you'll finish the 12 months with a complete and thorough understanding of exactly how to do marketing. Head on over to howtodomarketing.com.au to find out more. Now let's get stuck back into this episode. Another page that you can um, add that information to is your contact page because um, your contact page is also another highly frequented um, page on, on websites. And also if people are kind of wondering about, oh, are they open? What are they doing? You know, where are, where are they at? It might be your, their, the contact page that they go, well, I'll just give them a call or I'll drop them an email. So they're going to go to your contact page to get that information. Um, so if you've got something on that contact page which just outlines, you know, any key information there, you might just, you know, save yourself fielding an endless number of repetitive phone calls by clear, including clear messaging on this page. So, you know, if you are changing addresses, if you are, you know, temporarily closing down or if you will reduce your hours or, you know, if, if, um, if anything kind of dramatic like that is happening, put it on the contact page so that, that people can see it there and have their questions answered rather than have to, to call you all about it. Um. Then, of course, if you have lost someone in the business, if someone has moved on or if there has been a death or whatever the case may be, um, you'll need to remove the images and the information about them at some point. Um, so there's, you know, just be respectful again about the timing there. So you don't want people to feel like you've kind of just ripped them off without a trace there's quite, you know, just, just leave it for a little while, but don't leave it too long because you certainly don't want, you know, that person to still be there and cause, cause confusion um, if people do come to the website um, and, and, you know, if they haven't heard the news and then they're starting to call and ask for that person, there's potentially some more difficult conversations that will need to be had in the future. Um, so number three here is, so we've had Google business listing website, your Facebook page. So here, um, generally, I'd recommend doing a post, um, outline the key communication, 
but pin it to the top of your page. So that means then you can be posting, you know, other content and that post is not just pushed down the feed. It stays at the top of your page so that, again, you know, if people are Googling you, often it's your Facebook page that might come up on the, you know, second or third listing on on Google page. So that might be where they actually come to find out more information because I think people, when they actually want, you know, up-to-date information, information that's happening now, they will check Facebook and Google My Business before they check your website because, you know, the perception is is that, you know, things things are being communicated at, at, to the moment on those dynamic platforms. So it's it's not going to be surprising if people are actually going specifically to those pages for the, that information. And if you've got that pinned to the top of your Facebook page, that's the first thing that they'll see, obviously, after your cover image. Um, so pin it to the top of your page and then, you know, then you've, you've got that there for as long as you need it. And, and again, at, at a point where you think it's actually appropriate to then release that, just release it and, and let it go. It'll fall back down the, the feed. Now, the fourth, Instagram, you're not actually able to pin stuff to the top of your feed in, in Instagram. So where you can include stuff on your Instagram page is if, if you just change your profile just in your little bio there, you could just put like a little small call to action, you know, for more information about our office relocation, for more information on our COVID policies, for more information about whatever, um, and then you can just include a link to your website, you know, click on the website link below. Um, so that people have got that um, direction, clear direction. Where do I go to find out more information? Um, what you can also do, because if you go to a, a brand's Instagram page with the story features, so you've got your bio um, when you're looking at the actual Instagram po- profile, there's your bio and then underneath is a, uh, your story features. Um, so you could create, and I know that we did this last year for the COVID communications, we actually created little story features for our clients and we actually communicated any key information in those story features and saved each of those stories in those story features because that's permanently there on your Instagram profile as well. Whereas anything that you pop in the newsfeed will just fall down the newsfeed and you don't want people to have to start scrolling through your newsfeed to find, you know, certain pieces of information. You want to make it as easy as possible for people to find information. So the next one is email. So this is just such an underestimated form of communication. I pretty, I think I pretty much say that every time I bring email marketing up. So I apologize about that, but it's true. So we include email in most of our marketing plans and definitely in our communications plan, particularly when it comes to circumstances such as these. So in some cases, you might actually even want to consider mailing a letter to your customers and major stakeholders because that's particularly when it's more formal um, and the information that you need to communicate is is really important and you need to ensure that they get that. Um, I know when we were communicating an office relocation for one of our professional service clients, we sent a letter to their clients. The majority of them were over 70 and we we just felt that a good portion of these clients might miss these key communications. So, you know, most people are kind of on Facebook now. Um, even if they are over 70, um, they're, they're generally on Facebook 
and then they most most of them are on email as well um but you just want to make sure that you've covered off your bases and and that they've got that key information um and you know it wasn't long ago that we were <laughs> communicating in that way it's old school but you know it works um and it just you can just kind of guarantee that it didn't fall into the spam box or um, they weren't on Facebook at the time that your messaging went out. So it's it's a bit more reliable. Um, more expensive, <laughs> but reliable. Um, posters. Okay, so this is kind of relevant. Well, posters and, and maybe even like a little flyer or, you know, printed piece of information. Try not to encourage that as uh, a, a business who's really focused on sustainable solutions. Um, but again, if you think that this is really relevant and appropriate and there's a lot of stuff to communicate, sometimes people can't digest all of that information if you're if you're telling people that. So they need to read it and hold on to it and then be able to refer back to it. Um, so this, you know, if you do have that bricks and mortar, and this is obviously something that we have done in the COVID situation is, you know, and, and particularly the COVID situation, when people get to the front door, and, and, you know, now most people are in the habit of checking in or whatever, they're looking for the check-in sign, put something there that outlines your policies. Um, again, it just saves awkward conversations. It communicates, you know, what your policies are and what, what your, your expectations are of who's coming in, et cetera, et cetera. Just put it there so that you've got that information um, communicated at that point. And again, it could just save lots of questions or, you know, angry conversations or whatever the case may be. Um, and, yeah, again, it comes back to kind of not assuming that everyone's on top of every bit of legislation. You know, how many people, particularly in this COVID um, incidents and, and, and now, like this is the 2021 version where everyone's just so over it, you know, some people might have just tuned out. Um, to all the COVID stuff, you know, whatever, don't care, just tell me what I have to do right now because I can't keep up with it all. Um, so tell them what they need to do right now. <laughs> Make it easy for them. Okay. Um, and, of course, there might be some other, you know, channels of communication that that you might feel that are relevant to your business as well, but that that pretty much covers off all the, the major ones. And, again, as I said, not all of those might be appropriate for the message that you need to get out there. So just kind of pick and choose which ones that you think your clients are accessing the most and uh, where you think it's appropriate to have that messaging temporarily to, to communicate what you need to. Okay, number four is just about being vigilant with online review platforms and community management. So during a time while people are feeling raw or sad or frustrated, fearful, you may experience some of this being published online. So some people really love to share their emotions online. And that's okay. Um, you just want to make sure that you're monitoring that when it's being shared on your channel, particularly the angry and, and frustrated comments because it is the law that any content on your page is deemed as your content, regardless of whether it's a comment from somebody else um, or, you know, if somebody else has posted to your page or whatever the case may be, 
That is your content because you actually have the ability to remove it, hide it, delete it or whatever. So A, there's a compliance issue there, but B, it's a branding issue as well. You just want to make sure that these conversations are respectful and professional and reflective of your brand values and it's not being sideswiped by some great debate on something that has nothing to do with your business. <laughs> um, so people may want to vent some of their emotions and if you're the bearer of bad news, then Potentially, you could be the messenger um, that, that gets shot. And when this happens in the way of negative online reviews, so the comments you can manage, but just make sure you're being vigilant and checking the comments because I know there's a lot of small business owners who kind of post up their stuff. And particularly if you're scheduling content, it's kind of out of mind. Um, so you're not checking in, but check in. Um, now, negative online reviews are a different story because you can't actually remove those or you can't do it very easily anyway um, because if you could remove them, there'd be no point to them because we'd just remove all the negative ones. Um, so the platforms that your main reviews are, are going on for small business are kind of Facebook or Google Um and, and that's where that, that's your Google business listing that they're, le they're leaving those, those reviews. Um, very, very, very difficult to be removed. So there are pathways to report them. Um, the best way to manage them is in your response or lack of response. Um, so, you know, when it's troll, when it's abusive, like we've seen some... Um, just stupid reviews left by stupid people, really, um, in this, this COVID time. Um, if your business is the first person to refuse someone entry, there could be some frustration there. Unfortunately, they're not intelligent, negative, you know, constructive criticism. A lot of these reviews, they're just, um, you know, stupid comments, basically. Um, so when it is constructive criticism or if somebody's just expressing their, their opinions and their frustrations, the best way to handle that is, again, if you go back to that um, first point of just being empathetic, being really clear and really professional in your communication and just addressing that. And again, what you might want to do is if you think that there's actually going to be a bit of that activity, you might want to just develop a bit of a script for that. So pre-think it when you're not in an emotional state um, and just have a bit of a script. Now, obviously, you don't just want to copy and paste exactly the same response to every single review because that's obviously going to look like it's copy and pasted. But, if again, if you just have, you know, kind of the key messaging um, and then you can respond to, to the reviews in a professional manner, what you'll find is most people, they'll disregard the, you know, the, the particularly if they're unreasonable negative reviews. People can see that. People aren't stupid. Uh, people can see when, you know, a dickhead's left a, a dickhead review. Um, so in that case, you know, don't worry about those. Um, but if, it, if there's constructive criticism that really attacks your business or whatever, but it's constructive and respectful, will then, you know, construct something that's, that's you know, a professional response there because people, and particularly your community and your tribe, they'll be far more interested in your response and how you handle that um, than they will in the actual review itself. And then the other thing is, is, is if you anticipate that there's going to be a few of these reviews or if there are, like if you do get a barrage of these reviews, 
and not many people do. Like it's, I've, I've, I've worked with one client who used to get a barrage of of really bad reviews, um, but he'd really made someone angry. So, so this person was after them. But uh, you know, in all my years, I've never ever seen a, a barrage of of uh, these really bad reviews. It's it's generally when when businesses have really pissed people off that they'll get get that. But in this circumstance, it certainly hasn't been the case. So, but if you're worried about it. Um, just just encourage as many people as as you can um, not to leave fake reviews, but to to leave positive reviews. So sometimes you just have to prompt people to actually go and leave you a, a positive review. So you might chuck out a Facebook post or a um, you know a, an email to your database to just go, hey guys, we'd love if you could give you know if you've had a great experience with our business, if you could give us a, a positive review here or here and give them the link. And then that will encourage a little bit more positive reviews and hopefully push those negative reviews out of the way. So it can be managed in that response. What you don't want to do with these reviews is feed the trolls. So if if you can see that the person who's leaving this is just, um, you know, completely irrational and illogical and they're just being an idiot, just leave it, just leave it because it's so obvious that that's what they're doing and people ignore those. Honestly, they ignore those. And don't get somebody who could be antagonistic or inflammatory, who thinks they're going to be a hero by showing them, um, you know, by humiliating that that person back. Don't do that. Don't be that person. <laughs> that road never leads to any positive circumstance. It reflects really badly on your business. You just don't want that kind of content out there. So always rise above, always be the bigger person and always be the person who, who comes across as professional, courteous, empathetic, etc. And uh, you won't need to worry about those. You can report those reviews. So, you know, if you're getting targeted, if, if people are really abusive, um, you, you can report those and do that. It's just whether the platforms do anything about it is, is another story. Um, okay, so they're the four four tips that I have for managing potentially difficult, sticky emotional situations. Number one, approach your messaging with empathy and clarity. Two, develop key messaging scripts for your staff, empower them with the tools they need to have those difficult conversations. Number three, ensure your messaging is visible and accessible. Um, number four, be vigilant with online review platforms and community management. So I know that this community communication strategy has certainly helped our clients in the situations that I've described. Hopefully your business won't have those difficult situations to manage, but if you do, I hope these strategies help you. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the How To Do Marketing Show. And remember, if you want to know how you can get some of this marketing happening in your own business, come and join me in my How To Do Marketing Academy Mastermind. It has been developed just for small business owners like you. Head to howtodomarketing.com.au. And until next time, happy marketing. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 